All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to a new week, Tim, of dropping the gloves. Beautiful. I love the fall, Tim. I love it. The leaves are changing. Everything is reborn. Summer just drags on sometimes. You get crisp feeling the air. I just love it, don't you? You know what came on my Spotify this morning? You know that song, The Boys of Fall by Kenny Chesney? Nope. Oh, it's a good one. It's it's oh, it's all about like high school football and stuff. It's it's got me in the in the fall spirit. I just dumped on your story there. Sorry. I should have been like, yeah, oh, it's the best. I love that song. No, you don't have to know. The listeners know. I saw Kenny Chesney in concert. He was really good. He's a really, really good live performer. A lot lot of life. I saw him in Chicago when I was with um, there for the convention. The only thing I remember with that concert, besides Kenny Chesney, we're up in like a press box or some kind of suite. We saw like a massive brawl in like the, the Kenny's party area where guys were just, it's the first time where I got a bird's eye view of guys just sucker punching other people. And it made me so irate. I wanted to go, it was me and Chris Kunitz and we were watching it unfold. And I was like, we need to go down there and like settle this down because guys are just getting laid out and they don't even know. Like they're just, it was unbelievable. Not, we didn't go down obviously, but it was just like, I was all worked up from, the hundred feet high. It was wild stuff. Kenny Chesney. Do you know what else you share with Chris Kunitz? What? A birthday. I did not even do that on purpose. That His is birthday really was yesterday. That is really funny. I did not do that on purpose. I really was sitting next to Chris Kunitz. Yeah. Is he my age? Like the exact age? Is no, he's two or three years older. I think he turned 42. Oh, so he's three years older. Good for Chris. Yeah. Happy birthday, Chris. That's cool. Happy birthday, John. How was the birthday weekend? You know, I went into this week. I don't like to make a big deal of my birthday. I didn't even know. I had to find out online. I just don't. I'm not, I don't like going around being like, Hey everybody, guess what? My birthday's next week. Hey, my birthday, get ready. So I just kind of let it slide. And that's just how I roll. I don't, I don't want to be the center of attention unless I'm prompted to. And that's, that's but it was good. The, the kids were more excited than I were rightfully. So they, they, you know, made me birthday cards. They, you know, had a big breakfast table in our house. What we do for everyone's birthday, we, we set a table setting for them. So we have lights and candles and fancy dishware. And like, since I have all girls, it's just like big fancy flowers and 
elaborate cups and like really like we make them a tea and they have a tea cup and like it's just very fancy princess up the yin yang so they did that for me it was nice i woke up took a shower i came out and there was like a table setting but then my birthday was on a sunday and we had some kids who were sick so we had to kind of tackle tag team church so my wife went first i held it down the fort then she came back then i went to church and when i came back from church my favorite breakfast is biscuits and gravy so i just destroyed biscuits and gravy so it's homemade biscuits you put gravy on top with like uh meat obviously you know biscuits and gravy and then you put eggs on top i had six biscuits a bunch of biscuits or a bunch of gravy my wife said i probably ate two pounds worth of gravy and then i put eight or nine eggs on top and i just went to town and i just after that was done i didn't even have dinner like i was so full but it was nice you know we i got a nice present for my wife she got me a nice like tweed blazer and some pants to go along with it and a belt and socks just because i don't dress myself tim you know when you're married and you've been married this long you don't buy clothes for yourself your wife dresses you she knows what i look good in so if she doesn't buy me clothes i look like junk and so she's like you need this you should wear this so it was a nice day that's all were you able to move it all after you had that big breakfast yeah, we went to a winery and had a flight, you know, got some wine tasting in, let the kids run around and talk to the family, the the usual, you know, check all those boxes. Everybody calls, hey, how's it going? I'm like, yes, it's my birthday. Goodbye. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm not a big talk to my family person. So like literally my brother called I'm like, yes, you have checked that box. I will talk to you later. <laughs> so but it was a good day. I just wanted to spend it with the kids. It was good. It was a nice day. We did the winery. We came home. Yada, yada, yada. And here we are. Sounds nice. That's nice. And then I woke up in the morning and I checked my fan tracks. You know why, Tim? Because the season is around the corner. We're talking a week away from the drop of the puck of the start of the NHL season. And we switched our whole group, our whole podcast, our whole everything over to fan tracks. And I tell you what, I am not disappointed. Fan tracks is the best fantasy platform there is in the world. Not just in Michigan, not just in Canada, not just in the United States. Fantrax is literally the best fantasy platform in the world. It's the most customizable platform in the industry. It offers the greatest fantasy experience for you, your friends, and everybody. They have all kinds of drafting scenarios, dynasty, keeper, redraft, best ball. You can do whatever you want. So go to Fantrax.com forward slash DTG. Join up. You get a chance to win a Nathan McKinnon signed authentic jersey just by signing on. You don't have to even join a league. Just sign up. You got to go fantrax.com forward slash DTG. You can win a Nathan McKinnon jersey. Like how they won't pester you with emails. It's just a no brainer. And then move all your fantasy stuff there. Do fantasy hockey, football, baseball, cricket, water polo, whatever you want. Whatever you want. They even probably have that slap fight stuff that I've been like so in. Have you seen this? No. I went down a rabbit hole the other day. Oh, I was watching Russians slap each other. And I was like, what is happening? slap fight they call it it was insane these guys literally stand across the table from each other and they just slap each other until like, one passes we... out or gives up or what someone always passes out <laughs> so i don't know if there's like a, a scoring system of judges every match that i watch someone just gets decked by a slap in the face it's unbelievable like what have we come to with it this is like entertainment for us two guys just slapping the snot of each other it's wild stuff it's wild stuff. So anyways, I'm sure they have that on Fantrax. Check it out. Fantrax.com forward slash DTG. 
and you'll thank me later. Much like all of our ads, you're going to thank me later because I'm enriching everyone's lives with fan tracks and DoorDash and all this great stuff. All right. Speaking of a live who's not enriched, it just keeps spiraling out of control. As the world turns, the days of our lives, all my children, all wrapped up into one, the Jack Eichel drama. Tim, what, what is next on the, the next day of As the Eichel Turns? As the Eichel Turns. Okay, so the latest drama over the weekend, I think on the end, end of last week, he failed his physical officially, which we knew was coming because he still has that injury with his neck, placed in the IR officially, and he was removed from the captaincy. Um, Kevin Adams said, quote, I feel the captain is the heartbeat of your team. I felt that we needed to address that. Um, so obviously, I don't want I don't want to jump too far ahead because sometimes we forget about something. This is a massive bombshell that he's dropping, don't you think? This is the face of your franchise, the future of your franchise, the guy that you paid millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to to be the Buffalo Sabre. This is your guy. This is your captain. Like we talked about Panera and your best player is usually your captain. Is like, are people grasping how big of a deal is this? What did you think of this when when Adams made this comment? Because this is huge. This is a huge deal that he's taking the captaincy away from him. He's not holding back. I mean, obviously the frustrations are coming out. Um, things aren't really happening behind closed doors anymore. It's all kind of coming out in both on both sides, Jack and the, and the Buffalo Sabers. They're both kind of digging in. They're both standing by like the medical teams on each respective side and and their analysis of the situation and everything. I don't know. I don't remember a situation like this before. Do you? Well, I was involved in one somewhat. When I when I went to San Jose, they had just lost to the LA. They were up three nothing. LA came back and won four three. So they everyone was a little fragile there. They had Joe Thornton. He was the captain. But everybody knew that Doug Wilson wanted Joe Pavelski to be the captain. And so they stripped Jumbo of the seat when I when I came into town. And there was, sorry, I just took a bite of cookie. If you hear me chewing, it's very rude of me, but there was a lot of whispers. Who's going to be the captain what's happening? Why did they strip Joe? This team was successful. They were in that decade, one of the top, you know, four or five teams win losses wise in the whole league. They just hadn't produced in the, in the playoffs. And so Doug Wilson, for whatever reason, thought they needed a change of leadership. Joe Pavelski was the guy. He has obviously proven it. He's a good leader. He stripped Jumbo of the captaincy. And there was just a lot of like unknowns going into that camp where Joe Thornton, he assumed that he had talked to Joe Pavelski about giving him the C and Joe Pavelski said no. And Joe Thornton was like, I don't know. And everybody was good friends. And it created a lot of tension and drama that didn't need to be there. They had a vote with the team who should be the captain. Everybody voted for Jumbo. Um even with that being said, they still gave the captaincy to Pavelski. So with all of that fighting, we knew someone had to go, whether it was Doug Wilson, whether it was Jumbo, whether it was Puzelski, or whether it was Todd McClellan, the coach, because he was involved in this as well, where Todd knew the, the, the vibe of the team. You know, Maybe they wanted a, a captain that was a little more serious, and this is no knock on Jumbo, but he was more loosey-goosey, like let's go and play, drop the puck, and we're going to get after it, and we're going to play. But Pavelski was a little more serious. He was a little more strict, a little more structured. So they just wanted the change of maybe voice in the locker room who carried more weight. Anyways, obviously everyone knows how it turned out. The season was a disaster. They fired McClellan. There was jumble chirping Wilson, in the press. Like it just was, it was a bad situation all around. Pavelski got named captain and poor Pavs. Like he gets put in a situation where you're captain and you look to the stall next to you 
and there's a former captain, and you look to the stall on the other side, and there's another former captain, Patrick Marlowe, who had his seat stripped a few years prior. So it's it was it was a messy situation, and to say the least. So it didn't end well. They they had to change. McClellan got fired. Obviously, we know Jumbo left, Patty left, and then it was Pav's team, and Pav ultimately left. So that's where it ended up. But it, it's it's not entirely similar to Ico, but it's it has you know tinges of of closeness where the GM didn't want him to be the captain. He stripped them, this and that. But my question is, if Eichel's not your captain, who was your captain in Buffalo? Who is it Dylan Cousins? Are you going to throw the weight of Buffalo and all that pressure on Dylan Cousins already and potentially ruin his career when he's still like coming into his own? He obviously has that persona. He has that bravado and confidence and that identity that you want as a captain, a hard worker. Um, don't back down a guy who you can rally around. He's going to do the tough things. Do you want to do that to a 20 year old kid though, at this point in his career and his development? I don't think so. So I understand what Adams is doing by stripping the captaincy. He's playing hardball. He's saying, you know what? You're going to play this game. You're going to go in the press. You're going to get your agents to do your dirty work. You're going to say this and that. Guess what? You're not my captain, buddy. I don't need you being our captain. I don't need you here. You're locked up. We have you. You're our property. You're an elite player. So kick rocks. You're not our captain. We're going to move on from you. We don't need you, Jack Eichel. So this is a big deal. It's a very big deal in my mind. This sends, this sends a very positive message to that locker room. And it says, this is Kevin Adams' team. This is not Jack Eichel's team. One player does not define the Buffalo Sabres. So I like what Kevin Adams did here. It's interesting um, because Kevin Adams is not backing down from his stance. So there's a lot of trade rumors circulating Eichel. Um, and, but he, really, he won't budge on his asking price. And some of the reports of the GMs are saying he's asking for like way too much. It's ridiculous price, way too high, all that. Um, but Kevin Adams, like I said, is, is not backing down from that. He said, quote, Jack is one of the best players in the world. This is an elite franchise player in this prime under contract. We need to move forward and we can't compromise in what we believe. He's got a good point. I mean, this, this little injury aside, not a little one, but this injury aside, Jack Eichel was one of the top whatever players in the league. He's under contract for five more years. He's entering his prime. Like he's right about all that stuff. And he's, he's probably right to demand what he's demanding, except for the fact that no one knows what he's going to be after surgery. So do you think like he's asking too much or do you think he should be asking for what he's asking for? No, I think he's being very smart about it. I think when you look back at the track record of all the trades involving superstars in their prime, the team giving up the superstar always gets the short end of the stick. Maybe, maybe years and years and years and years down the road in the Eric Lindos trade or another trade, maybe things look rosier. It's like, well, we got a draft pick from that guy who we picked up and then we traded that pick and that pick and f- seven years down the road that ended up, they, they hit the jackpot. But initially short term, if you're a GM, you have to think in like three year gaps because you, you have job security. It's two or three years, right? Everybody forgets what you've done. It's always about what you're going to do for me. So I, I'm with Kevin Adams. You have a commodity. You have Jack Eichel, who is, if you list when he, when he's healthy, he's one of the top five centermen in the league and you win down the middle. He has proven it and he has produced points. You don't just give those guys up. And yeah, other GMs are going to say that. They're going to want the best deal. Oh, he's not healthy. Maybe, you know, what Jack Eichel are we getting? Obviously, they're going to say that in the press. Kevin Adams knows who he's got. Jack Eichel is, what, 20-some years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's locked up, like you said, for how many more years? One, two, three, four, five more years at $10 bucks. When you look at $10 million nowadays, that's a pretty good contract for a guy who's going to give you a point per game lead your power play, lead your team, maybe lead your team, who knows. But it's, uh, I don't know, he's in a tough position. Jack Eichel, if, if he ever wanted to get moved, he has scuttled 
any chance of like helping out his GM to, 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 you know, facilitate a trade. He's done everything in his power to make a trade harder, which is so counterproductive. It's interesting, right? Cause I mean, Nick Caprios had a tweet. This is Eichel's made it clear. He's willing to go anywhere to facilitate a trade. One of half a dozen teams involved. Tell me a trade is doable. As long as the Sabres are willing to add quote unquote, conditional clauses around how he performs after surgery, for example, games played, scoring, et cetera, which is probably how you have to do this, right? Like I'll pay the premium if we're getting a premium player, but the conditional stuff is like, if he's not the same after surgery, if he's not performing, if he's not healthy, then I'm not paying a premium for him. And I think it kind of makes sense. You pay for what you get for, right? Well, of course it makes sense, but if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm not doing this deal. No way. I want draft picks. I don't want any contingencies on the trade. I want two first rounders and a prospect, you know what I mean? Or three first rounders and a prospect. I don't want to be having to worry about Jack Eichel purposely scuttling a career or just missing, like just say the threshold is 50 games. He has to play. If I'm the other team, what do I have to gain from playing Jack Eichel in 50 games? I can play him in 45 and save a first round draft pick and only have to give up a second. No way. If I'm Kevin Adams, I'm making this deal. I'm going flat no, no contingencies, no futures, no this or that. It is a straight up deal. You give me your best prospect and however many first rounders, and I'll give you Jack Eichel, a transformational generational player who can just instantly change your team from a mediocre team into a contender. That's what I'll give you. And if he's not there, you know what? Buyer's remorse. So be it. But we're not playing this game where it's like, well, I'll take Jack Eichel, but only if he's the top five player in the world. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. I don't see any of these things a part of this deal kevin adams playing hardball he's not he's not stupid i know kevin i knew him from my days in buffalo i knew to i like i used to pal around with him in buffalo all the time those the sabers are good with bringing all the players back and working for the team they got Biron, they got uh matt ellis doing stuff they got uh all, all these guys pat coletta they got Biron, all these guys like all the positions are filled by former players so i used to pal around with kevin Matt adams when i'd go there for the corporate challenge He's not, he's not stupid. He's a smart guy, and he's not going to take a bad deal just because Jack Eichel is upset and he wants to get out of there. He's got Jack Eichel wrapped up for another five years. He can suspend him. He can put him on LTIR. There's no pressure in Buffalo right now for this guy to be traded. Like, hey, they're expected to lose. They've traded all their good players. They don't have any good players. They have Middlestead and Dylan Cousins, who's really only scored 20 points in a season. So let's not get too, too high on Dylan Cousins just yet. You know, he's a great story, the workhorse from Whitehorse, but he's not there yet. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I see if a trade does happen, it's a straight up, like I said, no contingencies. Kevin Adams is a good GM. He, he's making a good choice here. He got good value for uh, Reinhardt. He got good value for uh, Ristolainen, and he's, he's going to get good value for Eichel. We just have to get a good scout team in there, make sure the picks that they do get, are going to be valuable picks that they can help this team because boy, oh boy, if if they do hit it and they do hit on all these first rounders, they will be a very good team because they got some first rounders coming up. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Do you think he gets his asking price and how long how long will he hold out for that? I think he does. I think he's willing to hold out as long as it takes. Like I, I do think he has the the owner's kind of support, but I, I don't know how long this drags out to. I don't see him rushing into anything. I think if he was going to rush into something, it would have already happened. I'm sure he's been offered trades already for Eichel and he's turned them down and he, he's not going to take, you know, pennies on the dollar just because Eichel's hurt and teams see a vulnerable situation and they're pouncing. GMs are offering him trades. I guarantee it. 
But Adams is, like I said, he, he's a smart negotiator. He knows what he has. He has a very, very, very good piece in Jack Eichel, very valuable piece. And he'd be foolish to trade him just because Jack Eichel wants out. So I know Jack doesn't like those answers. He, tr- he switched agencies because he, he didn't like the, the results he was getting. He's getting the same results. Just tell him to get the surgery or stay out of the press. Those are the t- his two options. Stop, stop making noise. Do you think the Sabres will have a captain this year? No, I don't think so. I think they're going to go the way of the Islanders or any number of other teams and just kind of play it by. I, like I said, I think if you try to name a captain, maybe Gergensen, he, he's the longest tenured Sabre there, but do you want your captain to be a, a grinding centerman, third line, left wing centerman type of player? I don't think so. I don't know. The A's last year were Ocposo and Aristolainen and Reinhardt. Two of those are gone. So Ocposo is the only letter coming back from last season. Do you give Ocposo the C for a couple of years and let him leave in unrestricted free agency? Maybe. That might not be a bad move. That actually makes the most sense. If they're going to give a C, you give it to Ocposo. He plays out his contract for two more years and you give it to somebody like uh, a Middlestead, a Cousins, uh, maybe even a Tage Thompson, somebody who who has earned it, a Darlene, if he comes into his own. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting. I'm sure there'll be another revelation coming out of Buffalo in the next few days on as the world as the Eichel turns, and uh, we'll we'll get to talk about it again. But as it stands right now, I don't see Eichel getting traded unless Adams gets his uh, gets his asking price. What do you think? I think so you're probably you, you right. did some fun stuff this weekend, Tim. You went to the Wings camp. The Detroit Red Wings were here in Traverse City. Tell tell us about that. It was cool. Um, I got the, the press pass, which was nice, but uh, you don't get the access you get in the past just because of COVID. Everything's still separated. and Can't go in the shower with them anymore? No. Hold no. the towels? I asked. Oh. They said no. Um, but it was cool. It was cool to see some of the guys that, like, I mean, Cider we had on, obviously. He looked really, really good. He looks he looks NHL ready. Um, it was cool to watch, like, Larkin and Bertuzzi do their thing. I, I had a whole t- Twitter thread of some of my observations. So if you're a Wings fan, you want to catch it. Go check our Twitter. Um, but, yeah, it was, it's a cool event. There's some good talent on that team. I, a lot of these guys look like they're probably not quite what they're going to be yet, but the talent's there. So it's, it's fun to watch, and I don't know. We should get more of those guys on the show. I'd love to get Larkin on the show. Do they do some inter-squad games or just drills? What was the pace like? How, bag skates? What, what was it like, Tim? Not bag skates. Um, on Saturday, there was uh, like four different groups, I think, and they all did a lot of just like drills. So they did a lot of like full ice drills. Um, everything, I think, was pretty much full ice drills. They did, they did a couple that were like a little silly to watch. Like they, they did a five on O drill where they, they, a, a squad of five would go down the ice together and try to score. Um, so I tweeted out that the Red Wings are going to be dangerous if they ever get a five on O. And I got a couple of likes. Um, uh, so funny. Yeah, but it was good. The power play and the penalty kill looked stuff. Moritz Sider had a really good goal. I caught on video on a power play drill. We kind of danced across the blue line and fired it low and hard through traffic and went through the goalie's legs. It was good. But then they, on Sunday, they had um, the inter-squad stuff. So they had the, the, the red and white scrimmage, they call it. A lot of the, the star players didn't play. Like Larkin didn't play in that game. I don't think Nick Letty played. Um, Bobby Ryan, I didn't catch much of him, but I saw a report that he looks hungry. He looks good. So it'd be cool to see if he makes that team too. What makes a guy look hungry? Uh, what do you think it does? He's really hounding the puck. I don't know. Like I, people use these adjectives. He looks hungry out there. It's like, wh- what? Why? How? How does he look hungry? Because yeah. he's skating hard. That's does everybody look hungry? 
It's just, just yeah, like he's, he wants it more. You can read his facial expression. You can see in the way that he plays. He's not giving up. He's dogging the puck, whatever. Skating a little extra hard. Yeah, he's hungry. He wants it. You know who I saw that was um, Zadina, Philip Zadina. He looked hungry too. He almost had like a little bit of an, an attitude, like a little bit of ego even. Like every, t- every single time he didn't score on a drill, he was frustrated. Like he wants it. He wants the puck on his, on his tape. He wants to bury every single shot. So you're um, telling me he wanted to score every time and other guys don't want to score every time. I don't, I just, all that stuff bothers me. It's like, no, he didn't want to score as much as the other guy did. Cause you could tell the way they shot it. It's like, all right, we get it. He's really hungry. He's passionate. It's like, all right. So it sounds good. It's just talking fodder for the press. Like he is super hungry out there. Bobby Ryan has never been described as hungry. He's not like a, a, a hounding type player. Like, let's not just, all of a sudden reinvent Bobby Ryan just because he's older and he's had a little issues. He's Bobby Ryan. He's a super skilled player. Give him the puck, get out of his way. Let him make plays. He's not going to be the first guy in the back check. Maybe he beats the the other winger up the ice. Maybe if the other winger falls down, it's Bobby Ryan. You know, you know what you're getting. He's a power play guy. It's, it's just funny how the media twists. He's hungry. You saw someone tweeted that out. Super hungry. I'm hungry. I got a donut here waiting for me. No, no, I don't mean to dump on your point. I just think it's funny. As a former player, you see these headlines and it's like, no, he's not. He's not hungry. He's just, he's just skating like everybody else is. Everybody else is hungry too. Then I guess everybody else is, everybody wants to score. There's never once where I shot a puck where I was like, I don't want to score this one. Every time I shot the puck on them, like I want this to go in, please. (laughs) Yeah. But you don't think certain guys want it more than others. Maybe. If I think or, everybody or certain guys him. like in a drill or practice get more upset or, or than others when they don't score or get frustrated when they're not burying the puck. I think they, think they show they it be. differently. I think it, it comes out differently. Other people, you know, can hold their emotions better than other guys. I think you don't want someone who's going to snap a stick every time they don't score in a breakaway. There's different ways people show their, you know, their emotions. But don't just because I'm like screaming it. expletives every time I miss the puck or I lose a fight doesn't mean I'm not passionate. But coaches want to see the passion, right? They want to see how bad you want it. If you're a stupid coach, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Oh, see how he slammed the door when he got off the ice? That guy wants it. Oh, love that. Oh, see how he's breaking his stick over the bench? Yeah, I got to have him. Sign him. 10 million bucks. Love it. Oh, he didn't close the door hard enough. I don't like that guy. Doesn't want it enough. But anyway, so you saw the Wings camp. You know what was exciting for me? Not really exciting. We were gearing up for our birthday dinner. I got a text from Luke Witkowski. Remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Danny DeKaiser and I are over at Hoplot. You want to shoot by for a beer? He just had his third daughter. We can come and chop it up about all our girls we have. Cause I have six. Danny has three and Luke has one. So we're going to be hanging out, but I declined, you know, nicely declined, but you know, maybe tonight we'll, we'll head out and have a couple of brews. I don't know how long they're in town for. I would imagine they're probably going home today. Tomorrow's the last day. Tomorrow is the last day. Maybe I'll reach out to Nick Letty too. I know Nick. So Anyways, that's exciting. Tyler Bertuzzi has declined to get vaccinated, and now he can't go play in Canada. What do you think about this This like non-vax stuff? Do you think he, he's right for – maybe we don't get into the politics. How does this affect the team? He's one of their best players. Now he can't play in a lot of games with Detroit. That was one of the things I was looking for, to see if like there would be any kind of separation from – I don't know, like – after how hard they locked down the bubble in prior years, and now like a guy who's not vaccinated can just skate and shower and dress with the guys who are like, I'm surprised like they're allowing that to happen, but they did and didn't seem to be any separation. He was still laughing and palling around with those guys on the ice as much as anyone else. So from the outside observer, it didn't look, look like there was any kind of 
tension or frustration. That doesn't mean there wasn't, but um, it's too bad because, you know, say what you want. I, I think he should be vaccinated. And, and I think it's too bad that he won't be able to one of his best players play in, I think there's nine games they have in Canada scheduled this year. Um, and that's, I don't know. It's not like the Red Wings are pushing for a playoff spot most likely, but he's going to help their team. It's too bad. He won't be on the ice for him. We'll see how that situation pans out, but we're going to move on. We're going to move on to DoorDash because I need some birthday cake. I didn't have any last night. I want some. I'm going to dial up DoorDash, and so should you. When you're not feeling good, when you, you know, I like to eat my feelings. I think that's healthy. Whenever you're emotional, upset, you know, a little frustrated, just eat away those feelings. And the best way to do it, you don't want to go in public, DoorDash. DoorDash DoorDash.com on your phone. It brings you the food and make yourself feel better for a little bit. Then when your emotions go down a little more, do it again. Just keep keep on that sugar high. DoorDash.com. Use promo code GLOVESDDUSA if you're in the USA. If you're in Canada. US. Not, not USA. US. Stupid promo codes. So DoorDash promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the USA. If you're in Canada, it's just GLOVESDD. You get 25% off your first order. Free delivery. It's fantastic. And it's DoorDash. They're the best in the business. They're, nobody does it better. Tell them we sent you. It helps us out. It helps them out. And you won't feel sad for an hour. And then when you start to feel sad again, just order DoorDash again. Get chocolates, donuts, get some booze. Let's really get after it. You know, let's let's mask our feelings, right, Tim? Of all the, the ways that you could approach this, eating your emotions with DoorDash orders, that's a new one. But I don't think I, you said it was perfectly healthy to eat your emotions. I think that's probably one of the most unhealthy things you can do. Are you a doctor? Do you have uh, yes. a degree in medicine? I've read several Facebook posts about it. So I don't believe it until a doctor tells me it's, it's not like that. I'm going to keep, keep believing every time I feel sad, chocolate bar, feel much better. Feels so good. Anyways, someone who's feeling good about the area they're in right now is Thomas hurdle. Uh, These, these comments by Thomas were very surprising, but they're also refreshing. Why don't you kind of break down what Thomas said? Obviously players are getting interviewed. They're coming back. Campus started. The media is now allowed access to these players. And there's some unknowns. Thomas is entering the last year of his contract. He's got one year left at just under $6 million. One of the better contracts in NHL right now. What did he say to, uh, I, I believe it was Kevin Kurtz who asked him this question. What, what's going on with Thomas Hurdle? It surprised me too, because I would have thought that Hurdle would be looking around at like how the team's not really headed in the right direction. Haven't made the playoffs in a few years. Got the Evander Kane situation kind of like distracting everyone. I would have thought he's 28 years old. He's entering a contract year. He's eyeing the next place. I would have thought he's looking for like a change of place. He wants to go to the Rangers. He wants to go to anywhere. Right. Um, but reportedly he's actually willing to take a reduced salary to stay with the sharks. He did make some comments about whether or not they'd be competitive. So that's going to play a role in that. Um, and he actually looked at Jumbo Joe Thornton as one of his kind of role models and, and reference points for that. He said that Thornton was one of the guys who can make way more money, but he takes less because he really wants a good team. I like that idea. You can go somewhere else, sign the maximum, even maybe too much, but you're losing for the next eight years. So he had a good point. Like he'd rather stay on the Sharks if they're competitive. Maybe he sees some things about them training in the right direction. But I thought for sure that he was looking into greener pastures and heading into a contract year where hopefully he has a good season. He's traded up a deadline if the Rangers aren't, if the Sharks aren't in it and he goes somewhere where he can play for a cup. So I, I was surprised by this too, John. Yeah, I, and babe, this might just be kind of pandering to the media. Or I, I know Thomas; he's a very honest guy. He um, is straightforward, so I, I truly believe he means that. But he also hedges his bets a little bit when he says, "Well, I want to go somewhere where I can win. 
I don't want to lose for the next eight years. When you look at the Sharks roster, nothing screams winning in the next eight years. You know, they have a lot of bad contracts like we talked about. I don't want to bag on the Sharks, but they they went for it three or four years ago when they when they traded for Carlson. They re-upped Bernsey and Vlasic. They, they signed all these guys, Couture and everybody. They didn't win. Now you're saddled with these contracts. No one wants them. I'm sure they've been shopping them. They can't get rid of them. So I don't see him coming back. I see him being traded this year. It's, it's a great thing to say, and I'm sure he truly believes it, but he also hedges his bet. If they're not going to win, I don't want to be here. And San Jose, you know, as much as I hate to say this, they're not going to win in the next eight years. And Thomas, obviously, he's a loyal guy, but he also wants to win. He's a human being. So they'll get some, you know, draft picks for him and a prospect. He's a very good player. He will help anybody at the deadline. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. But it is nice to hear players say that, to kind of be a little loyal to their teams. Loyalty has gone the way of the Dodo nowadays. Everybody just chases the almighty dollar. And Joe was a guy who took a lot less money every single year because, A, he loved San Jose. He loved the area. Los, uh, gosh, what was it called? I can't remember what it's called. The, 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 the house he had, his um, community, his family, his wife, they all loved being there. But at the end of the day, these guys want to win. And Thomas is like, do I want to spend the next 10 years of my life here in San Jose losing in a nice city? Don't get me wrong, but losing. So I envision him moving on, which is sad because he, he's a great player, but you know, you got to do what's best for the player yourself and you do what's best for the team. So Doug Wilson will trade him. He'll get a good return for him. And Thomas will go and be a superstar in another market. That's just how it goes. You know, he, he has put in his time in San Jose. He's been there for what? Seven years, eight years. He broke onto the scene with his four goal outburst versus the New York Rangers and buried Marty Biron and shot him into retirement. Marty talked about that here on the show last year. So good for Thomas. He's a good guy. He's saying the right things, but you know, at the end of the day, I think everybody knows he has to move on. It's just one of those things that happens. San Jose is trending downwards. Thomas is trending upwards. It's just, they're not meant to be together anymore. It's, it's a amicable, what's it called? Split. When, when, when a couple splits. Amicable. Amiable. I don't know what it is. I'm stupid right now. So speaking of the specific Pacific division, the Seattle Kraken played their first game, Tim. Mind you, it was an exhibition game. They played the Vancouver Canucks. Did you catch any of the highlights, any of the box score? They won. It was, it was a nice opening game for the Seattle Kraken. What did you think? They did win. So it's obviously cool to see the first the first ever game of a franchise, even the preseason one. And um, Riley Sheehan scored the first goal in the team's history, and they, they looked good. Yeah, they beat the Canucks, uh, what is it, 5-2? to 5-3. Five to 5-3. to three. Yeah, they, they look good. Good for them. Um, kind of cool to start off your franchise with a W. I'm sure they saved that puck somewhere. And, and um, yeah, it's good for them. That's about it. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Obviously, Vancouver didn't dress their whole team, whatever. Who knows how Seattle – they're going to be good. They're going to be a competitive team, much like Vegas was their first year. They have NHL players. They have guys who have been around the league. They will be a competitive team. They have a good goalie in Grubauer. They got a good defense. So what What more do you want out of an expansion team? They're going to be competitive. By the way, though, on the Canucks, um, Brock Besser cut his hair. Not a ton. He cut a few inches off. He brought it and tightened it up a little bit. And there's, uh, there's some just concern among the Vancouver fans about how he looks now. Any Why thoughts on that? Call me. He should have called me. All right. I'll have to talk to him about that. I have a way of getting in touch with him, but that that's a big issue. We'll have to address that on another show. That's a whole show in itself. When you, when you make a drastic decision like that, it's a big deal. It affects a lot of people. 
So I was talking to my brother, like I said, it was birthday weekend. So he, I got the, the usual call and he's like, yeah, my son, my nephew, and he started hockey. And he, he's, there's a Kiwanis league in St. Catherine. He's like, well, guess, guess what team he's on? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, he's on the jets. I was like thinking back, I'm like, that was my first team when I started hockey when I was like five years old, it was the jets. So my little nephew, Henry is on the jets as well. And Kurt said, my brother, Curtis, he's like, yeah, he loves it. He's out on the ice. He, you know, we got to drag him off. So it was, it was cool to kind of relive my nephew. There's another Scott playing for the jets in St. Catharines right now, which is kind of cool. And it got me thinking now that the new season's coming along, it, it was making me reminisce about my playing career up through minor hockey. And I always remember the car rides. Remember the car rides to the rink with your parents and, you know, before the game, you're all amped up. You're getting all the words of advice from your, from your parents. Like, okay, you know what? Just go out there, play hard, skate hard, have fun. And then there's the car ride home. And, you know, if you go out there and you make a mistake or if you do something that isn't really on the line, you get a penalty or you weren't trying hard, there's the car ride home. And you just, you have to answer for all of your ills on the ice. And I, I had a lot of them because I wasn't exactly the cleanest player. I, I would get into hot water every now and again. I'd get in the car and my dad would rip into me. He's like, what were you thinking? And it's a long car ride home, especially if you play travel, you know, you're hours away from your house and it's a silent car ride home. The older you get, the magnitude of your mistakes just get amplified. And so I, I thought we would do myself being a dad, you know, I, I like to distribute advice and I like to kind of mold my kids. So, and I think these guys in the NHL are my kids now. I, I take pride in having a hockey podcast. So I want to introduce a new segment, Tim. I don't know if you know about it. I mean, I've been noodling it a little bit. That means thinking about it. It's called the car ride home with, with John. And what it is, is each week I'm going to pick a player who maybe stepped outside of the lines a little bit. And I'm going to give him words of advice, you know, and just try to mold him, give him some advice that would help him in his career maybe help them have some um, penance, what you should do to make, make your, yourself feel better and to, to kind of work through the situation. So my first car ride home, it's a little Evander. And I, and I know this is picking a low hanging fruit, but a little Evander's, you know, having a, having an issue. So Evander, get in the car. We're going to have a car ride home with dad. Um, what I'm going to say to Evander is if you don't straighten up, we're going to go to SWAT city. And this is what I tell my kids. We're, we're going to pull over and you're going to introduce to my right hand and I'm going to swatch you as hard as I can. And it's going to hurt. And if you don't change your ways, Evander, you're going to go to SWAT city courtesy of John. So you need to, you need to change your persona Evander. You need to, it's, it's not, I, you got to think about the team first. No one cares about you. It's, it's about the San Jose sharks Evander. And I need you to kind of just get over all your other issues and if you do come back to the NHL, I know you're suspended right now, not suspended. Excuse me. You've been asked to not come to camp, which is tough. But if you do come to camp Evander, I want you to go in that room and I want you to apologize to every single player in that team and say, I'm sorry, I've been selfish. Please forgive me. And let's move on. And let's have a great season. I'll promise to be a better teammate. I'll promise to help you guys out. I'll promise not to be a distraction. And guess what, Evander, if you don't do that, you're going to SWAT city with, with uh, Papa John again, and I'm going to get my right hand. And my right hand loves to swat my friends and I will swat you so hard, Evander. Ooh, you won't be able to sit for a week. So that's going to be the car ride home. Time to go home. Go, go eat your supper and go to bed, Evander. And let's have a good, let's have a good day tomorrow. So that's the end of the car ride with dad. What'd you think, Tim? Oh, that was tough. That was stressful. I feel like you I know what? You. That might be the worst car ride home yet. 
or ever, because it was a big deal with Evander. He's got to learn. There's a lot, there's a lot of growing up to do with Evander, but kids need to know they need to hear it. You can't coddle them. And if Evander steps out of line again, I will swat him into, into next week. And yeah, violence does change people. Fear is a thing and you have to rule by fear. Sometimes I don't like to do it all the time, but Evander, he's had enough. He's had enough chances. Now it's time to pay the piper and the piper is me, John Scott. What else, Tim? Any last hits we got coming out other now that the car ride's over? Oh man. Yeah. If I can recover emotionally from that. Yeah. A couple quick things. Um, Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, both still unsigned. We're in Michigan over the weekend. Um, so they were working out with Brady Kachuk in Michigan. Um, they were spotted at the UMich football game, which is kind of crazy. I mean, did you, do you read into this at all? Kachuk joining them or is it just kind of like, Hey, the unsigned kid just needs people to skate with. Is it, does it mean anything or is it or not? Well, it's kind of neat that they're all together. Like these RFAs who are holding out on their teams and the team, all the fan bases and everybody in Canada is just like waiting with faded breath. And these guys just hanging out, going to a football game in Michigan, skating. They're not working out that hard. I'm guessing, but I bet you it's a running joke between them. It's like, who's going to sign first? Who's going to get the first deal? What's up? What's up? It's kind of cool. I think it's neat. And I don't think there's anything behind it. They're not showing a united front. Like, here we are, the RFAs. You're not going to break us. It's more of like, we know each other. We're friends. Brady obviously went to the U of M, right? I think. No, Brady was, went to BU. Quinn, went Quinn to Hughes M. went to U of, U of M. Yeah. So they obviously know each other. Their buddies are staying in Michigan. Kind of equal space between Ottawa and Vancouver. It's easy to get to. Detroit's a major metropolitan area. I don't know. I don't read anything at all into this. If anything, it's it's helping the players kind of see what the GMs are negotiating because I guarantee they're talking at dinner or at breakfast or at lunch. It's like, oh, what did Benning say? What did Dorian say? What are you getting offered? What's going on? So the GMs probably hate it. They probably hate it. I bet you Doran's calling Benning. Like, what are these stinking kids doing? Like, why are they doing this to us? These this and that and that and that. I bet you they just can't stand these young kids. They're holding them over a barrel, like just holding them hostage. It's kind of funny, but no, I, I don't read anything, anything into it other than they probably want good players to skate with. And they're the best players right now who aren't on a team and they can skate together with each other and get a good workout in. The other thing, um, just before we wrap up, is that the NHL announced that they're going to be cracking down on cross-checking more. So the rule itself isn't changing, but the the basically the penalization of it will. So they're going to be stricter. You might see more major penalties or, or double minors. Um, it's something that happens pretty much every game, especially in front of the net, the cross-checking. like It's usually got to be pretty blatant uh, or game-changing for, for you to get called for cross-checking because it does happen like throughout the game pretty consistently. Um, so it sounds like they're going to be tighter on the way they call it and the way they penalize it. Is this a good thing, John? Well, much like every rule they try to implement or try to, you know, we're going to be more strict on it. it, it the preseason, they're going to call, call cross checks up to yin yang. Then it'll slowly die off and there'll be one ref who just completely continues to call it like a, like a Nazi. Sorry to bring up that term, but it, it, it is what it is. I think it's a good thing. I think this stems from the Mayfield cross check on Kucherov when uh, Kucherov got injured last year, kind of a cause and effect type of thing, but. I don't know. It is where this, the, the rules are there. You got to, you know, call the calls. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. So I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. Like the hooking was, I think hooking has really affected the whole game where you touch a guy on his hands. It's a penalty. I think the cross-checking, like I said, the first month, there'll be a ton of penalties. Cross-checks will be through the roof and then it'll slowly die off. The refs will get tired of calling it. The players will adjust a little bit. They won't cross check as much. They'll do different things to clear guys out of the front of the net or approaching guys along the boards. They'll take a hand off a stick and maybe guide them in with their off hand. So guys will adjust like they usually do. They're professionals, but 
like it'll be like it'll be a big deal for the first month and then it'll die off and no one will talk about it ever again so this is just a reaction to an injury a reaction to maybe during the players meetings some of the players like i'm getting cross-checked too much weber's like i've Glad I'm not playing this year because Shea Weber was the worst culprit of anybody. That guy would bury people with cross checks all over the ice. Like that was his first, second, and third move. What are we going to do here? Cross check right in the back. Like that, I know he loves doing that, but we've seen players, you know, McDavid takes a ton of cross checks. Matthews takes cross checks all the time. It's it's just, it's a part of the game, but you know, it is what it is. It's just not going to change anything to him. I agree. I agree. So we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> we will expect an uptick in cross-check penalties. And if you got a good power play, this is a good thing for you in the first uh, month of the season. Cause we saw it with the hooking with, we saw it with the holding, we saw it with the can openers. We saw it with everything. When the refs try to implement a new penalty, there's so many more penalties and it takes a long time for the players to adjust. They're used to playing this way for the longest time. I remember when I was in the league, they got rid of the can opener and I was a defenseman and when you were playing defense, the first thing they taught you was get your stick between his legs so he can't go side to side. And as soon as he tries to make a move, you stick your stick in, you open it up, and you push. And it's just called the can opener. And once they got rid of that, you saw defensemen all over the world panic because you couldn't put your stick between someone's leg. It's like, what do I do? That was my move. And there was penalties like crazy. Defensemen had to adjust. And they did, but it took a long time. And cross-checking is one of those things where it's you don't even realize you're doing it until it's already done. It's like you're going into a corner – Boom, cross-check. And forwards milk it a little bit. They go down. Like, ah, I got cross-check penalty. So we'll, we'll see an adjustment period, but it is what it is. It, it's, a, it's a cause and effect type thing. No one likes to get cross-checked, so they wind, and now they're not going to get cross-checked. Anyways, Fantrax, Tim, why don't you handle the last ad read for us? Tell us what you love about Fantrax. Well, there's so much to love, and I'm prepping for this league, and I'm just like falling more in love with it every day that I'm on their platform. Um so the, the things that I, I, I like the best about it, it's a fantasy league with player salary contracts like we're doing. So you have team caps. You can fit X amount of players under the cap, um, or you can do an auction draft. You can do a regular snake draft. Um, they have in-app league chat, individual chat. So no one needs for those stupid group texts that just annoying. You don't, you don't know half the numbers in that group chat. Um, you can add comments to trade offers, which is kind of cool. Um, player tier bonuses, position bonuses. You can keep or lock icon on kept players. So you know who's available in the draft, who's not going to be. Uh, just the list goes on and on. Check out fantrax.com slash DTG. Sign up. You'll get a chance to win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. Um, I'm hoping I win that, John. Am I eligible? Because I kind of really want that. Do you, think I, yeah. you think I can win that? I think you can if you signed up using our promo code. I think you can. There's All no right. rule. I can win it for Pete's sake. I would hang it up on the wall. I think he's a, he's a very good player. Not the best player in the league, but he's, you know. When I collect jerseys, I, I don't collect it for the person's talent i collect it if i like you or not you know what i mean so i got a lot of jerseys not a lot but i have a few jerseys i'm like do i like you i'm gonna get your jersey so i got mark messier's i had some time with him with the rangers he was fun so i was like i'm gonna get you to sign my jersey i got larry robinson unbelievable guy larry robinson spent some time with him in san jose got him to sign me a jersey like jumbo i got his i got yoggers i thought he was a great guy we kind of gelled together a little bit so you know just, I, I don't know if you've even heard of those guys. You're just good guys. And uh, I just wanted them to sign a jersey for me. They're kind of a bunch of no-namers. So it's funny. I, I'm more of a sentimental guy, not like, how much can this make for me if I want to sell it down the way? Or this will be cool to put it on my wall. Like I have, uh, have you ever heard of Wayne Gretzky? I got his jersey. Yeah, he's his brother was really good. But um, anyway, it's just, just guys like that. I, I 
It's, it's more personal for me. I'm not like you. I'm not in it for the money. Always, always about the money with Tim. Yeah. I'm just learning more lessons every day, John. Thank you. You're car ride home. You might be in the next car ride home. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. We really appreciate the support. Go and jam the like button on uh, wherever you find this podcast. And we will see you on Wednesday for a little fantasy preview. Now that we're on fan tracks, we have to prep for fantasy. And we got a couple of players we think you should draft or auction for or pay for. Or just get on your team because they maybe are undervalued at this point. So check it out on Wednesday. On a Friday, we'll have a nice interview with my old, not teammate, but the guy I used to pal around with again in Buffalo, Rob Ray, the old Razor, the guy who used to like to strip on every fight. YouTube on hockeyfights.com, Rob Ray fights. And count how many fights he takes his shirt, shoulder pads, everything off. You're going to be into the hundreds by the time you find a, a fight when he doesn't do it. Because the guy just loved showing off his bod. It was an incredible style of fighting. But anyways, anybody, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Have a good day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.